0: Another week of the pre-game, post-game podcast. Jim Zocchi, Mike Pachinko with you. As we uh, wrap up the win over the Giants. Obviously, a great win with Graham Gano's field goal. And get ready for the Washington Redskins. First of two road games coming up for the team this week. But Gano, Mike, named the NFC wow. Special Teams Player of the Week, obviously. 63-yard field goal. will get you that there. But uh, that was one of those great moments in Panther history. You know, 24 years of doing this now. To see something like that, I mean, that's a generational kick to see something of that length.
2: And one of the most dissected plays I can remember. And it seems like everybody did a story of, of how uh, – how this kick came to be which is kind of to me is a little bit on the interesting side because obviously because it's 63 yards and you know maybe a little bit outside of what you would consider his range to be um but th- this thing has been uh, more analyzed in the Zapruder film I think <laughs> just, just just the decisions going into it and Chase Blackburn was watching more back into and, the right back into <laughs> back the right, right. <laughs> no, back into the middle that <laughs> we don't want to go right kind of right. yeah. um but uh, but it just tells you the you know you know, just how good a kicker Graham Gano is, you know, I mean, I mean, 53 would have been a stunning 53 win, would yeah. have been, yeah, that would have been great. This and was that, good from 68, they yeah, were saying. Yeah, at least, maybe even yeah. 70, they were talking about. And, you know, people remember the kick a couple of years ago against the Falcons. Um, so that was kind of in the back of people's minds. But, you know, unfortunately, I think maybe it shouldn't have got to that point. I felt the Panthers were uh, maybe the dominant team that day in the eight, right. more than eight minutes in time of possession. But, you know, things happen, you know, a couple of turnovers on both sides, um, but what a thrilling finish. And, and to me, it's got to be a top five all-time Bank of America Stadium highlight uh, when you go back yeah. to all 24 years of Panther – I guess 23 years at Bank of America Stadium because the yeah. first year was at Clemson.
0: Yeah, there's been some great ones. The one that comes to mind for me when people were asking about it this week uh, on, on WBT was uh, Jake DeLome's first game yeah. where he comes off yeah. the bench at halftime yeah. opening day against yeah. Jacksonville, the 2003 season where they would go on to the Super Bowl and finding Ricky Pro because it's In fourth mind. down. Yeah, it was fourth and sizable, whatever it was. It was not sure, like nine or something like that, fourth and goal or whatever from right. the nine, whatever it was. And they make the play, and Ricky Prole scores a touchdown. Be yeah. Jackson that began the whole right. run, obviously, right. that year. But in terms of just great games, not Bank of America, I, I just for the, the the thrill and what it meant. Double overtime in St. Louis. Oh yeah, that's was just with yeah. Steve Smith is just impossible to top until further notice. Yeah, but there's been some other great
2: moments at Bank yeah. of America. Yeah, I mean, uh, think about Brian St. Pierre and uh, <laughs> Gary Yeah. <Colbert. laughs> <laughs> had not occurred to me as a top five moment till now but yeah that, that might be a top for, for brian st
0: pierre that's, that's one of his top yeah, five that's moments definitely that's for
2: sure. I, I go back to luke's interception uh against the patriots that monday, monday night game. game yeah yeah that, that was a that was a that was a big finish i'm trying to remember do you remember it was like two three years ago it might have been um 2015 i just remember there was a game i forget which game it was off the top of my head right now but i just remember maybe it was the clinching game for the playoffs and just the press box was shaking. Like we were doing the post game show after the game. And that
0: happened like twice, maybe, and, where you could feel yeah. the, the concrete. Yeah, you could sway. just feel it. Sw- I mean, yeah, yeah, we were
2: moving. And as we tape tape this during uh, Hurricane Michael, the remnants <laughs> tropical <laughs> right. storm Michael, the house is not swaying, so we're in good shape. No, we're, it's it's we we
0: it's got good bones, as they say. Good, the the house does. It's um, you know, I, I just think back to all those great moments like that, and the memories. Um. Going all the way back to 96, uh, they beat Pittsburgh at home, Chad Cota interception in the end zone, and that clinched the playoffs for the Panthers. In fact, the division title with Dom Capers Mm -hmm. uh, was the coach here. So for those who go way back to the early years in the 90s of the Panthers, uh, that was another great home moment for this team, too. But. It's fun. It's good to see, and they're three and one at the quarter post. So, well, can you imagine if you don't kick a sixty-three yard yep. field goal, you're two and two, getting ready to go on the road to Washington and Philadelphia back to back. And typically, in a situation like this, you're hoping to you know split basically is the the expectation. You like to win both, but realistically, you think you know tough to win twice in a row on the road, which they might do. Uh, but you would think you know God, it could be three and three after six games with all the talent on this team, but. They've had a lot of injuries, and uh, thankfully, uh, they're heading in with a good record now.
2: And the offensive line, um, I think, has continued to to gel and get better. I mean, that that's not the concern. I think it was two, three weeks ago. Uh, I think we still want to see a little bit more pressure out of the defensive line. Um, you know, I know uh, you know they did have a couple of interceptions. And you know, Mike Adams said uh, a really good game. You know, Eric Reed um, still kind of working back into football shape did okay. You know, nothing spectacular, but I, I know um, Eric Washington said on Monday that. You know they were they were pleased with what they got out of him, so that's that's going to be good. And then you look at on the offensive side of the ball, well no, let's stay on the defensive side of the ball for a minute here because I, I don't think we, not the we can I say the collective we, not you and me, but like Thomas Davis has been on people's minds. But to be three and one without Thomas Davis and Greg Olson, yeah, I mean you got to be pretty thrilled with that. Now T D comes back this week. You know he's been working out, so. You know, they will kind of work him in, um, you know, and the game's going to dictate. You know, a lot of times, how many times do we hear this going into a week when a guy comes back? And you're, oh, we're going to see him. And then it's a, it's a tight game and all of a sudden, you know, the guy plays like the whole, you know, like a lot of snaps. So I think it's going to be fun to see him TD come back because that just brings a, an already quick and speedy defense. Gives a little bit more that big playmaker ability because yeah. what did Ron say on Monday, you know, he's, or yesterday, he's good, what, for, you know, four or five explosive plays a game. Yeah. And to get that back into your defense, um, you know, it's going to be a big, big plus.
0: Him and Luke and Shaq all out there together, finally. So that's going to be terrific. As you said, Reed, I think every week we'll get better and probably get more reps every week in terms of snaps. I think you really got him on a snap count right now. He's talking to Marty Herney. Uh, yesterday, and I said, "Will you bring TD back the way that you brought in Reed, as far as kind of limiting what he does?" And he laughed. He goes, "That's gonna be really hard to do. Yeah. <laughs> TD means so much." And TD has been, you know, working out knowing that he's coming back to play football. Whereas with Reed, it was up in the air when and if that was going to happen. So uh, TD should be a little bit further along as far as where he is. Of course, he had the whole preseason right. and all that too. But
2: there's also that uh, that comfortability to have TD back. I mean, there's also the you know the emotional leader, and he's he's an aggressive player and he, he makes plays when he's in there and and then there's that unit camaraderie with, with those linebackers mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean I don't want to overstate the importance of this but I, I think having him back in is, is going to add another element to this defense
0: have you been shocked by the lack of pass rush last three weeks though three sacks in three yeah. weeks especially after the first week yeah six when six and then last week the only one was Luke Kikley staring Eli Manning to yeah. the ground yeah. the week before they didn't have any and even that sack by Kuechly was like a one yard loss, two yard loss, something like that. So it wasn't a big play as it turned out. But I've been a little bit surprised that as a as a unit they've not been able to get as much pressure. Again, that's not everything. They're three and right. one. They're winning games, uh, but this defense has often been predicated on that. Coach Washington was talking. Right. Uh, on Monday at his press conference, and he said, "You know, a lot of it is teams are scheming against them. Right? You know, quick slants, ball yeah. comes out quickly, right. tempo of game, things like that. So some of it is there's just not the opportunity." But he said, "That's not an excuse. We should still get pressure and win one-on-one battles." Well, I think
2: when you've seen the Panthers uh, have trouble defensively, for the most part, um, has been when you've had like a Matt Ryan or a Drew Brees, you know, guys guys that have that three-second quick release. And that is that. That almost does negate the pass rush because if you can't do something that quickly, um, so those are those are the areas of concern I think when it comes to that. But yeah, I, I, I think the the running game they've done a good job of shutting down the opponent team's running game for the most part. You know, Barkley only had what 50 yards um, on on Sunday, and you did see some some good tackles for a loss behind the line of scrimmage. But yeah, the pass rush to me has been an area of concern.
0: Yep, offensively, I think it's just going to keep evolving and. Um... It's nice to win when you don't have your best day. 350 yards is nothing to, to sneeze at. It's not bad. But, you know, Cam Newton, we've, we've gotten spoiled by him putting up big numbers. McCaffrey putting up big numbers early in the season. So, didn't see a whole lot of that from either one of those guys this past week. And uh, we'll see Washington got lit up on a Monday night. Yeah. 41 points against Drew Brees and the Saints. So, maybe it's be a big opportunity for the offense to have a big game coming up Sunday. But,
2: you know, I think with Cam, numbers are such a – numbers don't really tell – the story, or even complete the story with Cam Newton, because we've seen how many times we've we seen games where he's maybe in that like 17 to 30 range, passing maybe 190 yards, touchdown, maybe two touchdowns, no interceptions, but you know, maybe he has you know 50 yards rushing and a touchdown, and, and he's distributing the ball around. I mean, it, to me, you know, he's almost more of a point guard back there as well, right. you know, um, and has that kind of that mentality. So it's, I don't really worry about the numbers with him, except. That he is on my fa- he is my quarterback my fantasy. <laughs> so you do worry team. about the numbers. So personally, I worry about it. Professionally, uh, I mean, to me, the big numbers, the, the Cam Newton numbers, that, to me, that are, have the importance are uh, touchdowns, rushing touchdowns, and interceptions. Yeah, Which he had two picks this past yeah. week. Yeah, and so. if he's not turning the ball over, then you know when, when that offense does not turn the ball over, um, they're tough to beat. Josh Norman had a
0: horrible game. It'll be fun to see this matchup this week. Yeah, with he got Cam benched. Going maybe he got benched you know he's afterwards he just always has goofy things to say and I just feel like I feel like his game has not been quite as good as when he initially left that first year to Washington but
2: you know it is interesting because you know there was a lot of consternation among Panther fans with the with Dave Gettleman's decision to walk away and I remember at the time saying you know there's the emotional side of the decision which you don't want to see him go because he was you a big part of the team um contributor fan favorite um But when he came out of Coastal Carolina, I think he was like 23 or 24. It wasn't like he was 21 or 22. So, um, you know, you can't beat age. You know, I mean, and age, I think, crept up with him a little bit. Not to say that, you know, an extra year of him wouldn't have been bad. You know, I think everyone would have probably preferred that both sides had agreed to, like, the franchise tag and maybe he played one more year and then Mm -hmm. maybe take it from there. I think that might have been the the preferable outcome. But I think when you look at the long view, uh, you know, at the money that – that Josh Newman was looking for, I think you'd have to say that, you know, maybe that wasn't the worst decision that, that Dave Gettleman made. Yeah.
0: I mean, we've seen this before with other, you know, shut down corners, so to speak, where it's like that window is like a running back sometimes where it can close after you know yeah. three, four years of dominance, you can become pedestrian to not, not saying this for them, but for some others out of the league right. pretty quickly, it seems like it can happen for when well, I think the big like
2: knock on him was, or going to Washington was, you know, I think some people, I think one of the, um, Taunts from the other night with uh, Mike Thomas was uh, that he's a system co- system quarterback. Yeah. You know that he's his own his own cover guy. Cover guy. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a, that's. I mean, that's 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 attacking
0: your pride. Although we remember when he was here, his one of his best seasons was they weren't even throwing to his side of the field. Like yeah. he had three, yeah. four picks in the first right. two, three weeks, and teams just quit throwing to his side of the field. Yeah. That's how good he was. But I was thinking to like someone like Darrell Revis, guys like right. that, who are oh, so yeah. dominant, Rebus, yeah. and like right. immediately right. like a, like a like a Ladanian Tomlinson running back right. just fall off like all at once. So it can. i mean, again. I'm not saying I'm not predicting Josh Norman's no. done, right. but right. I think he may not be the Josh Norman of three years ago.
2: Especially at that position. You know, I mean, yeah. I think it's rare that you have – and usually we're talking about safeties, you know, like guys like Roman Harper and Mike Adams. You know, I mean, I think it's rare that you see, you know, corners extend that long. Not that it can't happen, but it's, you know, that it's a speed – like running back. You don't see yeah. running, too many running backs over 30. And
0: Adrian Peterson has gotten a second wind when healthy. Yeah. Got banged up last yeah. week, of course. But, um, you know, he had that really good opening game this week, and so he's still got some fire about playing some good football.
2: It is interesting with Washington uh, this week, though. I mean, they're, they're kind of a – they remind me a lot of the Cowboys just in the, the big picture sense of things. You know, there's, there's always swirl around the Redskins. There's never tranquility. There's always uh, personnel decisions that are always questionable. Uh, you know, Jay Gruden, I think, starting to get um, second-guessed quite a bit. Yep. You know, it, Fiery owner. Fiery owner. Yeah. I mean, that's Jerry Jones, yeah. you know, in a Dan nutshell. Dan Snyder, yeah. Yeah, but Dan Snyder, that's an interesting combination. And, and kind of the, uh, that meddling owner, too I think that's kind of so I don't know I mean I, that doesn't really necessarily play into the on-field stuff but you know with Alex Smith now there um it's gonna be you know I think this is gonna be an interesting game because you want to get pressure obviously on that you know Alex Smith is probably a little more mobile than people give him credit he is for Actually, or, yeah yeah. so I think that's gonna be I mean he's not Cam Newton let's but uh that that's one of the matchups I'm looking looking forward to and you know James Bradbury to me has I don't know if people are talking about him enough I mean, he's done a really. He's really come along. You know, when we talk about Josh Norman, I mean, yeah. he's the guy that replaced. That play Josh Norman. he
0: made where he broke up the touchdown oh, in the end zone, yeah. stuck his arm in there. I mean, that's taken six points uh, off the board. Absolutely, right there. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't get enough credit. So I think yeah, Panthers are in good shape going into this one. So we'll have the pregame show at ten. I'll have that, of course, the call with uh, Mick and Eugene in English. <laughs> um spanish guys are getting a lot of right. love deservedly so our good right. friends jamie and luis moreno have had a huge yeah. week shirts Canola, cano. shirts, national media they're just america's darlings right now are jamie and luis moreno and we see those guys all the time so we, we appreciate them but they're they're great and they're fun to listen to makes me wish i'd taken spanish in high yeah. school i took two years of french which i can only speak ten words of but uh, they're a great rosetta stone uh, based thing, if you want, like, listen to a broadcast and learn Spanish at the same time. What, yeah,
2: what would the uh, what would the French version of Ganolo Ganobi? <laughs> <laughs> I have No idea. <laughs> Le good. <laughs> Le kick is good. <laughs> I, again,
0: did not retain or pay attention much. I had to take two years of language, and I just picked that one. Well, easier. That didn't really uh, – Yeah, unless you be a doctor-writing really prescriptions, right. really <laughs> not a, a lot of calling for that. So a week ago, we were sitting here. I was excited about – I had not only one, but I've adopted the Braves, uh, in addition to my Indians, as two playoff yeah. teams. I am completely out of baseball teams here. <laughs> Mike, as we sit here, is wearing a Boston we're Red trying. Sox shirt uh, because they move on. And I will tell you from watching every inning almost of that Indians-Astros, I had a bail in that last inning or two when it got to be 11-3 to three of that last game. Houston, like Red Sox, are just a complete team. This is, I want to say, the first time since the 90s that there's been two 100-win teams matching up right. in, the, in a league championship series. And
2: right. the American League will get the, uh, the home-field advantage in the World Series. So, it's it's. I mean, that's not necessarily on the line, um, if you will, but both teams – a lot of firepower. The interesting about the Red Sox, this is not the Red Sox that I grew up. You know, this is actually the Red Sox that I grew up with were more like the Yankees this year. You know, big boppers in the lineup. Um, but when you, the Red Sox can score runs in so many different ways, and you know, Mookie Betts continues to play well, and and it, I'll tell you what, Alex Cora might be a little underrated. I mean, I think that may change if he wins the World Series this year. I, I was a little concerned. Um, just from the standpoint of coming into the season, it's like rookie manager. I know he came from the Astros, you know, l- lifelong baseball guy. But he made some good decisions in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the call to bring in Brock Holt in, in game three to yeah. kind of reignite the lineup. And then the guy goes out and gets a cycle. Now, granted, the home run the, came off of a position player. Uh, but it's the first cycle ever hey, hit in the postseason, in the post-season right? Yeah. So, uh, And then Chris Sale coming in, pitching an inning in in game four which I thought was a good decision. And I think it was a good decision that he only pitched – I went back and forth on this during the game because I was thinking he breezed through in the eighth inning. And I'm thinking, all right, why not have him come out and face like a hitter or two and then bring in Kimbrell? Which in hindsight probably would have been the right play. But Kimbrell, uh, you know, loaded up the bases. And then, you know, Angel Hernandez. Who's, you know, most people in this day and age don't know umpires like they used to. But everybody knows Joe West – Everybody knows Angel Hernandez. Right. Uh, so CeCe Sabathia, C. C. Sabathia C. certainly knows Angel CC Sabathia certainly. Well, it's interesting. Sure. Well, they've had a history, you know. And they did. I thought they did, the the TBS crew did a nice job during the game. I thought because they brought back footage from like an April game in Anaheim, where CC C. Sabathia had some words with Angel Hernandez, and it was like middle of the game. I mean, this is an April game. Has, you know, zero. Meaning, right? So it's not new, right? Yeah. So it's not new. So. I don't know if you obviously I'm picking Red Sox because that's 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 how I roll, but uh, it would not surprise me if the Astros repeat as World Series champions again. That that team is you know stacked. You know you have Verlander and Garrett Cole and Keikel and then and that's not even talking about the offense and Altuve and Springer, and, and they play good defense and they have good pitching and and you know now they have a good closer, um, the guy they got back from the from the Blue Jays. So it's I think it's going to be an exciting series. I I think that. Actually, the other series I'm interested in too, obviously, is the, the Dodgers Brewers, just mm-hmm. because you know the Brewers kind of, I would say they were out of it in August, but you know they they weren't a team that people were saying, hey, that team's going to be a World Series contender, right? You know, I mean the Dodgers, you know, the, the Dodgers are the Dodgers, but uh, I think the Brewers are an interesting story. And Christian Yelich, I mean, yeah, Christian Yelich on TV right, very often, <laughs> right? And now for Knights fans who who do follow the White Sox, I mean, there's like a bunch of guys from the White Sox that are on the Brewers and Tyler Saladino, who's a utility guy, one of my mm-hmm. favorite Knights players of all time. He's, he's on that team. And then you look at, you know, Soria's in there and Sedano. Um, so they, they, it's, um, I think that's going to be a fun team to to watch. I, unfortunately, I don't have tickets to Miller Park. That, Miller, Miller and Coors. I mean, that's, that's, uh, <laughs> there's a theme. That, that was the, uh, yeah, that was the, uh, so if the we division end up, series. If we end up with a
0: Brewers Astros world series, couple of things, one, it's amazing how many people have already forgotten or didn't realize that Houston won it last year. Right. Two, how many people won't know who's the American League and who's the National League team between the Brewers right. and, Brewers Astros. and the Astros. People <laughs> are still struggling with that, <laughs> yeah. even though it's been a long time since they switched. And three, will anybody who doesn't live in Milwaukee or Houston be paying very close attention to yeah. a Milwaukee Houston? I would like personally to see uh, Dodgers, Red Sox. Dodgers, Red Arsenal. Sox would be – That's one
2: I want. That's the marquee matchup. Yeah. I mean, that's that's definitely the one that people would look for. And, you know, the Dodgers, last time they won was 88. And it's been a long time. So it's been a long time for them. Bulldog Hershiser. Yeah. So well, day. I mean, the good news for uh, yeah, the good news for the National League is if the Dodgers were to win or the Brewers, I mean, it'd be a long time for both teams. Mm-hmm. Obviously, with the Red Sox and the Astros, it's been more of an embarrassment of riches. Astros being the defending champs, and the Red Sox have won three since um, '04. So I mean, there's a generation of kids growing up in New England that don't know. <laughs> That the Red Sox were at one time the lovable <laughs> losers. No, I mean, because I was thinking about that the other night. Like, like the universe has changed because, like, what the Red Sox did to the Yankees and have done the last couple of years, back, going back to '04. I mean, it's basically what the Yankees used to do to the Red Sox, like, I oh, will toy around with you, and then we're gonna beat you, right. and then go away.
0: Obviously, yeah. and all and, those years, twenty yeah. what, twenty seven right. titles for the Yankees.
2: Right. Well, then you throw in what the Celtics have done, and obviously the Patriots. And Bruins winning. I mean, there's, there's like a generation of kids in New England that, that spoiling think that brats. yeah, they are spoiled brats. Now, yeah. yeah, get off my lawn. Wait till Brady retires and you know, <laughs> wait years till Brady go retires, by Yeah,
0: wait till Larry Bird retires. Oh wait, he didn't. <laughs> and the Celtics are good again now. All right, so lots going on. A random question of the week is going to be weather related this okay, week. Okay, weather in, in not so much honor of, but because of the existence of Hurricane Tropical Storm Michael. And real quick aside, uh, thanks to Julius Peppers and Cam Newton donating hundred thousand dollars apiece to Hurricane Florence victims yeah. and. Uh, Julius going out to Roberson County this yeah. past week spending time down there. So that's uh, greatly uh, noted that those guys have taken the time personally from their hearts to do that along with others. Uh, worst storm related thing that you can recall uh, being in, I've got two quick ones for you. One as a kid uh, growing up in uh, Cleveland, uh, we had uh, uh, an uncle lived in uh, Cincinnati and I remember arriving at the same time as a tornado that was visible oh, wow. was arriving. So, Truly could see the twister yeah. in Cincinnati, Ohio, as we went to their house and immediately went down to their basement and began our visit there. But the other one was uh, not that long ago. It was more like about – I'm going to say it's like 20 years ago. It's like late 90s. Had a WBT planning trip, different management than what we have now because they're all gone. Uh, but we were at Kiowa, and we stayed at, with Rick Jackson, our general manager. There was four of us that played, Steve Sklar, and the um, – it was a hurricane coming. But it's one of those things like there's a hurricane coming, yeah. but it's coming like tonight, so we're going to play yeah. golf at Kiowa, right. the ocean course. I'm not going to miss this, right? Right, right, So right. we go out, we go, well, let's at least go try to play nine. We get out there through about six holes, and Kiowa's windy anyway, Oh, right? yeah, yeah. The wind starts picking up. It's getting crazy out. We're like, All right, this is just bad timing, but at least we said we played six holes and it was crazy, but we got to get out of here. But, I mean, stay in while, like, the rest of the island was deserted and evacuated that morning and the night before. And then when I hit the road, it took me about eight hours to get back to Charlotte, uh, a trip that normally would take about four because, as you can imagine... Just roads were just backed right, up, getting right.
2: the heck out of the coast there. So
0: I did get six holes in at the ocean course that day.
2: So it was the deciding factor when you hit your drive and after about 50 <laughs> yards, it made a U-turn and like came back right at you? <laughs> well, it ends up behind you. Behind yes, you it's yeah. like, maybe it's time to go on home. Yeah, well, the good news is you hit it on the green, just it was the green behind you. <laughs> exactly. Not the one in front. He was
0: tough enough on its own. It doesn't need hurricane yeah. strength winds with it.
2: So uh, my uh, my big weather, uh, actually, was I was a youth, a youth when I was a youth. A youth? These two uh, youths. Yeah, uh, so the blizzard of 78, everybody uh, <clears throat> in the Northeast knows about that. Blizzard, big blizzard. I mean, it, it shut down the Northeast Corridor for, for a couple days. Um, so I'm the youngest of four, and we had in the house that we grew up in, we had uh, our driveway was obviously next to the house. And then we had like two little walkways, one that went to the driveway and then one went out to the street. So it was like an L and then of course the driveway. So for three days, my parents would not let me out of the house because there was so much snow. Every time they would shovel, they would keep m- making the banks higher. So it started to look like a World War II or World War I like trench. So they <laughs> were afraid that <laughs> I'd be caved in. Yeah. So uh, I, couldn't, I could not leave the house for three days because of the blizzard of 78. And That's then amazing. I finally got to play in the snow and... We built tunnels and igloos and snowball fights and had a lot of fun
0: Well, like you we had so much snow growing up in the cleveland area that it doesn't even stand out because it was just something that we dealt with half yeah. the year
2: <laughs> yeah
0: at least four months out of the year my birthday's in april i had a track meet once in school where it snowed on my birthday oh. in mid-april during the track meet
2: actually this kind of counts too um th- this is directly affected by weather so I think it was 2008, Matt Ryan, senior year at BC, and I was doing studio updates for IMG for Boston College, so I'd go to Winston-Salem. The guys at IMG were really cool because every time BC played, uh, if they came somewhere in North Carolina or South Carolina, they would let me do the updates from the booth, like, you know, one game. So we picked that. It was a Thursday night. be perfect. Um, there's really not a lot going on, but it would just be fun to be, be there in the atmosphere. So John Mita Perel, who used to be here yep. in Charlotte, John's the voice of the BC Eagles. So, one of his friends, Paul Scharf, who lives uh, here in Charlotte, we become friends. And so, Paul and I were going to go meet uh, John for lunch um, at like 2 o'clock, something like that. And then we're going to go to the stadium. So, Paul and I are driving through Fanscap. It's Paul's car. And it was uh, kind of like um, raining like it is today. We're taping this on Thursday, uh, except it was like a steady rain and it was all day. And it hadn't rained through that area apparently in like six weeks. So we're we're driving up one of those inclines, those steep inclines, and um, all of a sudden it's one of those feelings I'll never forget. I could just feel the back end of the car. I was on the passenger side. I could just feel the back end of the car wiggle a little bit, and the next thing I know we're spinning around, and I don't know how we didn't get hit. There, there was a car just past us, and there was one behind us that missed us. We spun around in the road, turned left, went into the median, flipped around like twice, and Paul and I remember this uh, specifically being upside down, and looking at each other. Like sometimes when you're in an accident, things just slow down. And right. And um, the only the only injury I have a little scar right on my right pinky. The window next to me blew out. My laptop bag went out the back window of his car. Went, went about fifty yards behind the car. Uh, some people stopped and brought it up to us. Uh, and the guy in the ambulance was like, "You guys are you don't know how lucky you are." Wow. And it hadn't like. Cause, and the problem was the The road was really slick because it it uh, there was all this like rubber that had been on the road and now the the rain and, and so there's a lot of I think what happened was m- my professional opinion um, was that because uh, I'm big in accident reconstructions um, I think we hydroplaned and I think there was a crosswind and I think it was the confluence of those two events that that spun us out because he wasn't and I I don't know why I remember this a couple minutes before this happened I remember looking at the speed and we were doing the speed limit it wasn't like it wasn't like we were doing eighty so.
0: Just the condition that's my, uh, being what it is. That's my weather. Well, I'm story. glad. That's a tough one. I'm glad. Yeah. Glad you survived, as, as we all are, because otherwise, the podcast would not be nearly as interesting. <laughs> no, with me talking it would to myself. It just the pregame podcast. <laughs> Right, I'd have, have to get get Brett to come in and McMillan to do the post game part of it, but uh, for for the family's sake, for your boy John and everyone, I'm glad it yeah, worked out. You. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, me too. Speaking of which, so the pregame at ten from yeah. uh, Washington, post game right. with Mike and uh, Brett coming up after the game, and uh, hopefully we're talking about a win next week when we do this. Looking ahead to Philadelphia a week from today.
2: Where do you guys stay in DC? Do you know?
0: I do know. I just haven't looked at it yet. Yeah. But we're staying. <laughs> we get the hotel list before the season begins. I
2: actually haven't even looked. Is so it like college? Because I know. Um- When I was traveling with BC back in the day, like Tom Coughlin, like if if you were playing in West Virginia, like let's say the Mountaineers, like we would stay somewhere like two hours south of, like just in the middle of nowhere. Is it kind of like that or do you guys generally stay in like a metropolitan area?
0: No, we stay close to town. Um, I know this. We have a a sales client dinner the night before and we're not far from like the DC area and all that. So can't tell you which... I know we're not in the, Maryland. I think we're in Virginia somewhere. Yeah. Maybe it's Alexandria, but we're we're somewhere right nearby.
2: Hopefully, you're staying at the uh, the Marriott by the Key Bridge. It's right across from Georgetown. That's a fun.
0: Well, we haven't before, so we're probably not. Probably this not. time. Okay, Sorry. I've got the list. I haven't checked into it, but I'll let you know when I get back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll text you. Text when we me. Get there. No, text me when you get there. Exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm deeply concerned. All right, so for the rest of you knuckleheads, that information is classified anyway. Oh, so uh, we'll catch up with you guys next week. Thanks for listening.